I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sina. It is the day before Thanksgiving. It is. As we're recording. And I have one Harry Potter-esque reference, but I did want to ask you, Danielle, what is a favorite memory that you have um, from Thanksgiving? Mm. Mm. My favorite memory from thanksgiving it's more of a feeling it's like for a very long time my parents and i would drive two hours to a part of south jersey to go to a family member's house and we would eat thanksgiving dinner in her garage basically she had like an additional space to her house And the feeling is smelling turkey and having like a a heater set up in that garage so that you can feel warm and cozy. And I can still smell that garage specifically. Was it warm? It was so warm. It was so cozy. Her house was so 70s. Oh, God. I I still think about it to this day. Like... In a way, that house really formed my love of, like, old vintage stuff before mm-hmm. I even knew that it did. Like, there was brown shag carpets. There was green Formica uh, countertops. There, Actually. There were white, wa- like, wrought iron chairs with gre- matching green uh, cushions. Like, I remember that house so vividly. And I never really went there in the summertime. I only ever went there for Thanksgiving. So that just like added to the coziness of it. Mm. So that is always like, that place is always like a cozy memory of Thanksgiving. Okay. For me. That's very nice. Yeah. My, um, so Thanksgiving was my dad's favorite holiday. Love that. And I think it's mainly because of the leftovers. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't love like just... Did he go fancy and, like, make a sandwich, or did he just, like, heat him up? Uh, everything. He lived his life between two slices of bread, which is part of his demise. But, yeah. So, lots of lots of sandwiches made in our household. Oh. Um, but, so, this year, um, I don't know if you know this, but my dad's birthday is November 23rd. I didn't... Wait, is he a fellow Sagittarius? Is he? Yeah, we're I in Sagittarius so. yeah. right now. <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> no wonder you guys No bonded. wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Yeah. So my dad would get extra excited when his birthday landed on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't blame and I never him. And I never understood it. I was like, it's not like you're going to get double the leftovers. It's going to be the same. I couldn't understand it, but he would just get so excited when his birthday would fall on Thanksgiving. You know, being born around this time of year, I know people often ask you like, oh, you get so gypped because you're so close to Christmas and blah. No, it is great being born this time of year, in my opinion. Just got to like celebrate early, you know? But you also like this weather. So for you, it's like the end of fall, beginning of winter. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have seen the trench coat I was wearing this weekend. <laughs> thrifted. I assume business. it's thrifted. Oh, you better believe it. You better <laughs> believe it is a thrifted trench coat. It is perfect. And I flew all around Montauk in it. The wind was blowing in the wind. I felt like here nightly in Pride <laughs> and Prejudice 2004 when she's in the Peak District, my gown just like flowing in the wind. It's fantastic. Oh my God. Absolutely fantastic yeah it's just i got stuck it's me and the bees you know in april yeah i'm sorry you and the who and the bees oh okay i always got the fucking bees yeah not a fan (laughs) 
I want to hear that they like are the reason our ecosystem is. I want to hear it. You know, I actually thought of you this weekend because uh, I was out in Long Island in Farmingville, New York. And uh, I was getting food and I didn't realize that the place that I picked to go get food was just kind of like a walk up and there mm. were just like bees around. And the, my friend who I was with got like very nervous and started running away. And like I remained calm and I can't look at a bee without thinking of you <laughs> and what you and your mother would do if you were around said bee. I don't scream anymore. Well, that's good. And I try not to flail. Yeah, because you know but what? I, when I, you flail, it gets them angry and then they sting I you. I do beeline out of there, though. Yeah. Like when we were playing so we were playing full softball. and That's a really was, hard thing for you to say. <laughs> it is. I was playing second base and it was one of those like days um, where all of a sudden it would be warm and you're like, but but it's full. It's like, yeah. it's not time for this warmth. And we had these giant, I, I don't think they were murder hornets, but they were very close in size. Like mm. that, I, I am not exaggerating. These were some big fucking boys. Mm-hmm. All right. Just like hovering around like little vacuum cleaners and little Roombas in the air, like no rhyme or reason. And they would be all around the infield. I'm like, go to the outfield. You have a better chance of finding a fucking flower out there. This is mud, dirt, clay. Yeah. And so then there would be like the occasional bumblebee in there. And so I was like, every time they would come near me, I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be it. This is how I'm going to lose my fucking teeth. I'm going to get so distracted by a bee. Somebody's going to hit a grounder and it's going to pop me right in my mouth. Like I, I, I foresee this in my future. And so one of the last games that we played, one of those bees landed on my fucking pants. Mm. And like, like my hip, like the front mm. of my hip, it landed on my pants. And th- there's two people in the outfield and I hear them laughing because they see, they saw the whole thing happen. They saw it like come to me and like land on me. And then I was like moving around and it wasn't coming off. And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> and then I took my glove and I was like, Excuse me. <laughs> it's probably the calmest I've ever been, but I. But you wanted to freak out. I'm like, it's late October. What are we doing? Yeah. Did, was it like one of those like big black like hornets? No, I think this one might have been closer to a bumblebee because it, okay. it was like fuzzier and it had mm. like yellow and red. So I was happy it wasn't one of the hornets. Yeah. But those hornets were like, they looked half dead. Mm. They were just like floating around they would only come out when it was like peak warmth yeah i don't i don't like those if those come near me i'm leaving but like a gigantic a yellow jacket i know that i i don't like them either but like i know that if i freak out that's what that's when i'm gonna get stung so like might as well just like let them fly away on their own accord or like very casually walk away from them so but Bees. Bees suck. Sorry. Just not a fan. I I know you're not. But yeah, that's why, uh, you know, the springtime is really nice and all, but that part sucks. Yeah. That's when they all start to come out again. It does. It does. There's I will a- say I have been seeing them even like recently, like these couple of days where we've had a little bit of warm weather. I would just see like a random honeybee and I'm like, go back to bed. Yeah. Just go back to bed. It's November. Go back to bed. You, there is nothing worse than being at an ice cream store and standing outside or standing outside an ice cream store and going to throw your ice cream away and the bees are just like swarming no there's no worse (laughs) feeling because you know why they're swarming because of the ice cream but like come on guys come on guys this is why this is why i don't like summer the last game that we went to i bought everybody bagels just like Bagels cut up, not like butter or cream cheese because I didn't think about it. I was just like, I'll just get a bunch of bagels and like people can just like, like they're all cut into little pieces. So everybody can just like, you know, grab a piece as we're playing. And I went to Sunrise in Belleville. Great place. Shout out to Sunrise because we love your bagels. They have a whole wheat everything bagel, which is not easy to find. Yeah. They also have the classic French toast bagel, which is more of the egg bagel. 
Mm -hmm. one, right? So I got that. Every time I went in this fucking bag, a bee came out. Yeah. And it was the French toast bagel. Of course. That's what they were. Then I was drinking my coffee. My safe space, Danielle. Coffee is a safe space for me. And I was like, I'm going to finish my coffee in the car. And then I said to Dave, I was like, actually, do you want to get like fresh coffee? Because this is really cold and I don't feel like drinking it. So I go to dump it and I look through the little hole. There's a bee dead in my coffee. Oh, no. At least it's dead. Yeah. So I poured it. I was like, well, I'm really glad I didn't finish this because I don't know what I would have done if this thing landed on my tongue. Oh, well, I mean, it was dead at that point. But like if you just drank a bee. Yeah, that would have been bad. No, thank you. Hard pass. Excuse, excuse me. Pasadena. <laughs> All right. Ow. I don't know how to segue from bees into uh, Harry I Potter. Don't, I don't really have a total segue, but I just want to let you know, hey, leave your foot alone. <laughs> to our listeners, we just want to let you know, hey, leave your foot alone. Suddenly our listener stops chewing on their foot. <laughs> listeners, we have a pup date. Otis is post-surgery, and he's... Just being a royal pain. Post-op. Um, what do you mean, oh, stop? Post-op. Oh, post-op. <laughs> yeah. For Christmas, I'm getting you a hearing aid. That's what I'm getting you. I think I hear what I want to hear. What? <laughs> it's bad. Please stop. <laughs> I thought you said, oh, stop. Oh. Like, oh, stop. He's fine. That's no. what I heard. Post-op. No. Yeah. I can, I can hear that. it. I can hear it. Yeah. It's close. It is close. You know? It's not like I thought you said funfetti, like something so far removed. I don't know. That was the first thing that popped in my head. Okay. Funfetti? Okay. Yeah. So if you hear me yelling, it's to Otis, and it's because he needs to stop. He needs to leave his leg alone so he can heal properly. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen this clip, but there is a clip of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay. And um, Emma Watson. Okay. And I will find it. I will find it and I will send it to you. And I will, if I remember, I will post it. But it's, she is doing like beatboxing and he is freestyling over it. And they're having like this little moment. Mm -hmm. And like when he wraps it up, they just start laughing. And she turns around and she goes, Oh my god, I'm literally the color of a tomato. <laughs> That's fantastic. It really is. It's so good. <laughs> I need to send it to you because for some reason I just I just that nut when I think of Harry Potter, I think of her and I think of that moment and it's so I can't tell you how many times in grad school I would play that clip and just Andre and I would laugh to it just over and over again. That is one thing about Harry Potter is that like the content post, you know, outside the content outside of the actual movies, it'll always be there. Like it'll always be good. Always. Oh yeah. I mean, these guys just have to embrace it. Yeah. Cause it's like a beautiful piece of our pop culture. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I've been waiting to like figure out when would be a good time to bring this one up. And I was like, I'm just going to do it today. I don't care anymore. There you go. Episode three. That's when you do it. Episode three. I was going to wait. I was going to wait till like six or seven of these. You're nuts. But I couldn't. I'll send it to you. I'm literally the color of a tomato. (laughs) I think that got you just as good as when I did my impression of, um, what the hell is that show? Love Island. No, that one got me even more. That one got you good. I got a text. That I got a text. That <laughs> murdered me. I did yeah, <laughs> because I wasn't expecting you to know any anything from Love Island. So just for you to say I got a text in that accent, that killed me. <laughs> murdered me. <laughs> Fell off my chair. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so that's sorry, what I'm here Kevin. to do. Stop yawning, Danielle. I'm sorry. Oh stop. Sorry. Oh, stop. <laughs> Post stop. Oh, stop. Oi. Ah. All right. It, it happens. All right. Um, do you have anything? Oh, one more thing. 
What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Um, for a long time, it was mashed potatoes. But I think that stuffing takes the cake. I think that stuffing takes it, but it has to be particular stuffing. With the sausage? Yeah. 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 My dad makes the best stuffing. Okay. Because my dad will prepare in advance the bread. And it's not just like, we're not talking about, uh, you know, loaves of bread you buy in the bag from... Like Wonder Bread. We're not talking about that. We're talking. No, we're not talking about Wonder Bread. We're talking about leftover sunrise bagels. We're talking about (laughs) Italian bread. He'll just like keep it out and keep it out and let it get like nice and hard throughout the, the week. But he just like stockpiles it. But my parents also buy sunrise bagels in bulk and they keep them frozen in their fridge fun or freezer fun fact about them so they'll probably take them out and he will 1000 percent use bagels as stuffing interesting yeah okay yeah. i've never heard of bagels being like part of the process yeah i don't think it's supposed to be i think it's more just like ah it's bread throw it in there oh, i think it's like a great way to not waste food yeah if there's one thing about my dad he will not waste food Haste makes waste. That was a a slogan in our household. <laughs> I still don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't know that haste. Like I, whenever it was, whenever food was about to get wasted, my dad would haste makes waste. What? But like, doesn't haste mean like quick? Like, doesn't it mean like? I guess like if you're just acting really quick and you're acting like a fool. You're going to end up wasting something instead of doing it like slow. Um, but he would say it, but he, it would be like, we don't want to waste food. Haste makes waste. And then I would like, these are things that I would say around like other people. And yeah. everyone would look at me and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, this is a classic. Yeah. You, ever <laughs> you guys met, don't know? You ever meet Samastroni? You say waste around him and see what he's saying next. This is, my dad used to love to call people a haunt. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. These are all my Thanksgiving memories. I have no idea. My dad would be like, quit being a haunt. I'm like, what? He's like, you're haunting me. Danielle's dying. She's dead. I got her so good. She fell off her chair. She came back in scene. She's rolling back. You know that he picked it up from like his mom or like an I have old no idea. and he had to have picked that up from an older woman because I have definitely heard like an older woman. I feel like my grandmother called people haunts, but I haven't thought about that in so long. That's so funny. I well then I said it when, when Dave and I first started dating and he was busting my balls. I was like you're being a haunt and he was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "You know, you're a haunt." Quit being a haunt. And he was like, what's a haunt? What are you talking about? And I was like, you're being a haunt. You're haunting me. Stop haunting me. You're a haunt. And he was like, but what is what you're saying? I was like, you don't know this? Everybody knows this. He's like, I don't think they do, Christina. <laughs> and that's when I, I, t- I came home and I told my mom. And my mom went into like one of her cackling fits. <laughs> and then I was like. Oh, so like daddy just used to say things all the time. And like, she's like, yeah, your father had his own like dialogue and message system. It's different. It's like, okay. I just heard it all the time. I thought it was normal. I'm literally looking up like what it means to call someone a haunt. And it's just, you're not getting the, uh, you're not getting the, the thing that you needed to. Miriam Webster can understand the difference of you know just to haunt something as a as opposed to calling someone a haunt ah because now it's a noun yeah too many verbs or adjectives but uh not enough nouns um that's hysterical i haven't thought about calling someone a haunt in so long um speaking of haunt we see the most haunted house in all of the Harry Potter series, the Shrieking uh, Shrek. 
That's a good segue. There you go. I was really grasping for that one, but. No, no, no. It works. Harry Potter um, 3. So Harry Potter 3, The Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. which I watched on Mox. I watched it on Peacock. I don't think there were any additional scenes, though. Okay. Okay. Do we have any awards? Yes. Uh, this was nominated for, well, John Williams was nominated for, um, Best Achievement in Music Written for a Motion Picture Original Score at the Academy Awards in 2005. And then this was also nominated for Best Achievement in Visual Effects, which, gotta say, visual effects a lot better in this one. Getting better and better. Oh my god, so much better in this. Um, so... Harry returns to Hogwarts once again in serious danger. Badoosh. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. She'll be here all week. Thank you, thank you. Dementors are afoot on the property looking for Sirius Black. The man, the accused man, no, sorry, the man accused of killing and or selling out Lily and James Potter to you-know-who. There's also a new dark arts teacher, Professor Lupin. Something is hairy about him, too. Badoosh. So many puns. Um, actually, right. this should have been our opening. Uh, what's the worst part about prison, prison, Mike? The Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just cross-culture. It's yeah. so... <laughs> the worst part about prison was the Dementors. Um, oh. I, Nick claims I don't like The Office. I know The Office. I know that quote. Why do you not? Why does he think you don't like The Office? Uh, because he's just constantly rewatching it. It's just like too much. It's too much. Oh. He's always rewatching it. But it's nine seasons. It's uh, just always rewatching it. Anyway, it's always like the same. You know what? I'm not getting into it. Okay. I'm gonna get into the characters though. Okay. So uh, our main characters. We still got our big three: Harry Potter, played by Daniel Radcliffe; Ronald Weasley, played by Rupert Grint; and Hermione Granger, played by Emma Watson. Albus Dumbledore, this movie, he is being replaced, Richard Harris is replaced by Michael Gambon, who is a vet on this podcast. He was in Judy. Um, We forgot, I forgot we watched the movie Judy so many years ago. Um, Rubius Hagrid is played by Robbie Coltrane. Professor McGonagall is played by Maggie Smith. Professor Snape is played by Alan Rickman. Draco Malfoy is played by Tom Felton. And then I expanded upon the Weasleys. Jimmy, Ginny Weasley is played by Bonnie Wright. George Weasley is played by Oliver, Oliver Phelps. Fred Weasley is played by James Phelps. Percy Weasley is played by Chris Rankin. Mr. Weasley is played by Mark Williams. Mrs. Weasley is played by Julie Walters. Professor Lupin is played by David Thelwis. And Sirius Black is played by Gary Oldman, who is also a vet on this podcast. He was in Mank. Correct. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit, though. Go for it. Do you know who plays Professor Sybil? Professor who? Professor Sybil, the tea leaf reader. Oh, no. Professor Trelawney. That's her last name. Sybil is the first name. Yeah, it's Emma Thompson. Yeah, she's a vet. Yeah, she is a vet. And I absolutely love Emma Thompson. And I absolutely mm-hmm. love Professor Trelawney. Like, mm-hmm. if I was a professor, if I was in the wizarding world, I would imagine myself along the lines of Professor Trelawney. <laughs> I would just be up in my tower with my really cool velvet drapes, reading orbs, reading tea leaves, and just, like, speaking in tongues. Like, that sounds like a vibe. It is. <laughs> it's a whole vibe. All right, now everyone buckle up, especially me, for this climax, because I feel like this is going to take me 20 minutes to get through this. All right. Ron, Hermione, and Harry go to console Hagrid on the day that Buckbeak is being beheaded. (laughs) They run out of Hagrid's cottage before Dumbledore and Fudge get to them. Then Scabbers bites Ron, and they chase after him. But as they're chasing after him, a black dog that we see in the beginning of this film, when Harry gets on the night bus, uh, also chases after Scabbers. 
The dog grabs Ron holding Scabbers by the leg and drags him under the Whomping Willow. Ron and Hermione, or no, Harry and Hermione chase after them and they find themselves in the Shrieking, sh- in the shrieking Shack. The dog is actually, da-da-da-da, Sirius Black. Our crew was being followed by Professor Lupin and it really seems in this moment like, oh, Professor Lupin let Sirius Black into Hogwarts. They're in cahoots with each other to kill Harry. Then Snape comes because, you know, why not? And um, comes in to stop them. And Harry blasts him with an Expelliarmus, a very strong Expelliarmus. What? And then where does he go? He just sit, he's just in a butt. He's just in the canopy bed. He's just out. Expelliarmus, okay. Nick brought this up while we were watching this. Expelliarmus is just to like disarm people, but somehow it hit him so hard that he's just like out, out for the count. Anyway. Okay. Um, Snape comes, he blasts him. Turns out Sirius is not the one that ratted out Harry's parents to the Dark Lord, but Peter Pettigrew is. We thought that Peter Pettigrew was dead. We saw him in the Martyrs map. He faked his death by cutting off his finger and then lived his life as a rat. Real, uh, the irony in it here. Lived his life as a rat with the Weasleys. It's true. They agree not to kill him, but take him back to the castle. As they're returning, Sirius bonds with Harry and asks him to live with him uh, after all this is over. But it's a full moon. Lupin changes into a werewolf, uh, chases them, and then the Dementors show up and suck the life out of Sirius. They almost perform the kiss, and then a Patronus charm from across the lake breaks through all of these Dementors, and as Nicholas describes it, fucks them all up. And I I wrote blows them all away, to be polite. Uh, Harry wakes up in the infirmary with Ron and Hermione. Dumbledore visits them and says that there is a potential to save more than one life today. In this moment, when he leaves, Hermione whips out her time-turner necklace, which has been why she's been taking so many classes, because she's just been, like, rolling time back and taking two classes at once. And we run the whole climax back. So. <laughs> run it back. Give you us thought, the highlights, Danielle. You thought it was over? Oh, it's not over. Oh, no. <laughs> so. We find out that Harry and Hermione following themselves, but not being seen. They were the ones to throw stones into Hagrid's house to get their attention. They were the one to steal Buckbeak, so Buckbeak didn't actually get beheaded. They distracted Lupin when he turns into a werewolf, so they don't actually get torn apart by him. And while Harry thinks that his father is the one who summoned the Patronus charm to save him in the beginning, it is actually Harry himself that summons the Patronus charm and saves the day. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So once Sirius is free, um, he takes the hippogriff and flies off. um, I'm sorry. You called it a hippogriff. Hippogriff. What did I say? Hippogriff? It's hippogriff. Hippogriff. I wrote hippogriff. Oh, well. Um, The gang finds, uh, no, I'm sorry. Harry finds Professor, oh, no, this is funny. I had Lupin written. And it auto-corrected to Poopin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say lupus. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but it says Poopin. <laughs> Professor Poopin. Fantastic. <laughs> so actually, it says that he's packing, so it says he finds Professor Poopin packing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. All right, continue. <laughs> All right, he finds... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I need a moment. You got the giggles? <laughs> okay, I got it. Ooh. Ah, okay. Harry finds Professor Lupin packing uh, his belongings. As it would appear, he has gotten out of his condition, so he's back to normal. 
Um, but word has gotten out about his condition. And well, some of the kids' parents may not like the fact that his kind is teaching their children. So he gives the mortar's map back to Harry. And it kind of closes out from there. Did it, I miss anything? No. Uh, Harry gets a new broomstick after his. Oh, that's right. Road. And then he test drive. He test drove his new broomstick and like totally lost control. Honestly, this is one of the best ways to end. One of the best scenes to end a movie because it is just a close up shot of Harry in motion with his mouth open. It is a ridiculous way to end a movie. Mm. Also, Hogwarts really can't keep a defense against the dark arts teacher. You would think that this would be like the most important subject. And Snape, who is just sitting there playing with his chemistry set, wants to be defense against the dark arts teacher so badly, they will literally put anyone else in that job besides Snape. Do we know at this point that he wants that position? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I... Not to talk shit on Dumbledore, but, like, poorly managed school, in my opinion. Dumbledore 1 or Dumbledore 2? Both Dumbledores. Just Dumbledore, well, the character we gotta in general. Give Dumbledore, well, we gotta give Dumbledore 2 a chance, because Professor Lupin actually taught them something. Well, I mean, listen, it's the same character, it's just, like, different actors, so we can't say Dumbledore 1, Dumbledore 2. But, like, there are too many times throughout this series where, like, Everyone is in grave danger. Like, there needs to be mismanagement on the upper levels. (laughs) That's what the Dementors came in for. And then look what happened. Ridiculous. All right. Moving on. Uh, I'd also like to say that there's an excellent foreshadowing element when Professor Snape takes over the class and tells everyone to turn to page 394. Um... And then when they do, they discuss the topic of werewolves, and I may butcher this, animagus? Animagus. Animagus? Yeah. So a werewolf is turns into a dog-wolf creature, um, <clears throat> not, on, not on command, it's uncontrollable, yeah. but an animagus is somebody who has chosen that path, and so they learn about the differences in class, and then, of course, we see... Uh, Professor Lupin and Sirius Black going at it. Okay, bye. I'm in the middle of recording. You know that we have seen this before. We just didn't know the words to it. I think it's in the first movie. We see a cat sitting in um, the class and Ron. Professor McGonagall. It was Professor McGonagall. She too is an animagus because she switched between being a cat and being a person. Right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I thought that was a nice way to foreshadow it. And then we actually see that scene and we kind of see, we literally see it come to life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so on IMDb, it was rated a 7.9 out of 10. And on Metacritic, the meta score is an 82 and the user score is an 8.3. What was Rotten Tomatoes like? Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 90% and the audience gave it an 86%. So high rated movie. All right, all right. Um, my review is a 10 out of 10. Love it. And it's titled, Last of the Really Sweet Episodes. Dot, dot. This is the, okay, let's go. Okay. So, Last of the Really Sweet Episodes, dot, 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 and Near Perfect Filmmaking. Why does the major fictional story that starts off so light end up so dark? Mm -hmm. Sorry, rhetorical question. The answer is that we live in a polar world, light and dark, night and day, positive and negative. So this may well be the last episode in the series, which is both exhilarating and innocent, especially if you compare it to the last two in the series. I suggest you do not because you will lose your lunch. The cinematography does not get better. In the winter scenes, you can feel the chill. And in the flying scenes, you get air sickness. And the story includes a quote unquote time loop twist which is handled so perfectly that you want to see the film a second or third time to make sure you got it all. Wow. Yeah. You know, thinking about air sickness being, you know, the flying you, I really, you, I really forgot how terrifying that scene is where they are playing Quidditch and the Dementors show up and the, in the pouring rain also like, 
oh, Quidditch doesn't get, like, postponed for pouring rain and lightning. That's what I said. It is so dangerous. My gosh. But anyway, um, and the Dementors show up and Harry gets the soul sucked out of him and then he just drops to the ground and it is terrifying. Also, I had a thought... You know what? I'll save my thought. That thought I'll save because maybe people are watching this for the first time and they don't want things spoiled. So I will save save my thought. If they don't want things spoiled, they shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Well, maybe they didn't watch the later episodes. <clears throat> There's nothing I hate more than when I'm trying to get into something that everyone's already into and then they just like drop the main spoiler of it. I Oh, you mean like the many saints in orc? Did I do that? No. The first 90 seconds ruined the entire climax of The Sopranos. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It absolutely did. Um, The Sopranos gets ruined for me all the time. Um, This gets ruined for me because I feel like I didn't watch the last couple movies for a while and then, like, find out things. So I'm not going to say anything. I'll I'll leave my my thoughts at this moment. I will read my review, four out of five stars. The darkest, most brooding entry yet, Prisoner of Azkaban, was amazing. I love the gritty and mature tones these films are beginning to take on. This is the best directed and shot film of the franchise so far, littered with beautiful frames, magical creatures, and an intriguing mystery plot. This new direction from Caron uh, breathes unique life into a fantastical land, making it feel entirely different than the films before it. Hogwarts itself and the Wizarding world, world feel full-scale here, unrestrained and beautiful, bolstered by phenomenal visual effects which hold up today. I have to mention the night bus sequence, which is so much fun and one of the best things I've seen in a while. The story beats falter here and there for me. I love the time travel and the twist, but some of them are exaggerated or not done in a logical way to increase dramatic effect, such as Sirius in the shack that is still that still acting like a deranged prisoner instead of explaining the situation to Harry right away. Mm. So I personally, just to segue into highs and lows, I personally love the big plot twist in this. When you find out that, well, first when you think that like Lupin and Sirius are on the same page and they both want to kill Harry... Like, they did a great job writing that up so that it makes it seem like, oh, they're still, like, they're in cahoots to kill Harry. And then when you find out that it's Peter Pettigrew. And then also, when you find out that the Mortar's map is made from from them or by them because it's um, Mooney, who is Lupin because he's a werewolf. Uh, Padfoot, which is serious because he's a dog. Uh, Wormtail, which is Peter Pettigrew. And then Prongs, which you find out is Harry's dad. That's why his Patronus is a deer. Like, when you find that out, it's great. Um, but yeah, the whole Pettigrew, Peter Pettigrew scene when they reveal him to be a rat. Yeah. It's... Also... N- got to bring this up because I mentioned this to Nick while I was watching Chamber of Secrets. There is a scene in Chamber of Secrets where Ron has his broken wand and he's doing an incantation and he turns Scabbers into a go- like a goblet. What did Peter Pettigrew think of that? He just got, he was a rat and he just got turned into a goblet. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Pettigrew saw some shit. Like, he was living in the Weezy's house for a really long time. He probably yeah, got... 12 years. He got beat up. There is no way he had a, a easy go of it. That family definitely beat him up with all those boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got turned into a goblet in uh, the second one. Well, the teacher made him do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you think about it, like, from the very beginning, like, you see Ron with Scabbers. So you just know that he's just always there. Right. I, I may be dipping into expectation, but at one point I remember thinking this and then I, I thought it again or I remember thinking it. But when Scabbers bit him, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, maybe Hagrid gave him the wrong rat. Mm. And that rat was 
at Peter Pettigrew. But then I, but then they said, then Sirius said, don't you think 12 years is a long time for a rat to live or something along those lines? And I was like, oh no, it's the same rat, but it make, it still makes sense. Yeah. And then it makes sense when Harry's looking at the mortar's map and he sees Petter, Peter Pettigrew just like walking past him and he's expecting him to just like be in his face as he has his light out. Right. But then you realize, oh, he's just, he's the rat. He's just walking through right past Harry because he can't see him. He's on the ground. Um, Which is like pretty crazy. It is. I do love the sweeping scenes. Like there's a scene with Hedwig flying and it goes from like beautiful and green and fall and then it turns into winter and that was fantastic mm-hmm. um him and then there are just like so many great foreshadows um to add on to your point about snape with the book when we see the boggart um which is a mythical creature where when you look at it it turns into your biggest fear yours would be a bee there we go that's 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 the callback from the beginning. Um, Either a bee or a centipede. <laughs> one or the other. Um, from there, you have to make it funny for it to laugh so that you can laugh and like it'll go away. But when it gets in front of Harry, it becomes a Dementor. When Lupin steps in front of it, it becomes a moon because his greatest fear is the moon because right. he is a werewolf. Sorry. No, it's We're okay. here. Is he uh, futzing? He's just... Yes. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Otis, stop. Okay. There are just, like, so many great scenes in this movie that really, you know, prepare you for what you're about to see. And I do love the twist and running back the climax. Um, so those were... Those were basically basically all my highs. Did you have any other highs to add on? Um, I definitely had a lot of those pieces. The opening scene was very fun with the the, the train. Um, it also like set the tone when um, he made Uncle Vernon's sister like blow up. It also set the tone that like now we know Harry really can't get in trouble. Yeah, and it's also just like a moment of Harry really gaining his confidence and really pushing back on the Dursleys and not taking their crap anymore. But he also has no control over what he's doing. Yeah, I mean... And I think that's what's so frustrating for him. Like, he can't stop it when he wants to. It's just kind of happening and that's it. Yeah. Um, There's one scene, it's really tiny, but... It made me laugh so hard. Um... The woman in the painting. The the opera singer where she's breaking yeah. the glass. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's like trying to hit it. She's like, they're like trying to get in. And she's like, wait, 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 just wait. And she's like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. And she's trying to break the glass. And it's not breaking. And then she does it a few more times. And then she hits this high note, almost screaming. And then she's like, ah. And then she throws the glass into the wall behind her and she's like oh amazing just my voice just my voice i laughed for a solid two minutes after that <laughs> oh my god dave's like that really got you huh and i was like that's fucking hilarious <laughs> that is a really good scene oh god oh it's amazing with just my voice just wow. my voice <laughs> um this is my only, this is my major low. Okay. He got to make these crying scenes better. He was, because my, he was their friend. That scene? There's no tears. Yeah. And Hagrid was crying at one point too, and he, there were no tears there either. Yeah. So it's like, why are we si- sitting there like weeping? And then there's no tears. There's no glistening on your face at all. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, that whole scene with Harry being like, he was that friend, it's comical to me because it's, like, yeah. not it's not that good in the acting realm of things. Obviously, like, 
he gets much better. But like in that scene, you're just like, I don't know who's giving him direction, but like not, not the best. I think tears would have made it better. Mm-hmm. Like actual, you know, actual tears. Um, I will say there was a time, and I think it was the end of Chamber of Secrets when Hagrid comes back and Hermione has a tear and that tear just looks fake. Mm. So we gotta, we gotta make the tears realistic if we're going to do lots of crying. That's my critique. I can get behind that. It's also, it's, this isn't really a low, this is more of a high. It's fun that like they're getting older now and like they're like building up this like this crush between Hermione and Ron, like her grabbing his hand when Buck Peak is there and um, them like going to the Shrieking Shack together. Like it's, it's cute. It's cute. They're, they're young and they're cute and they're in love. Well, yeah. And up to this point, we don't know if Hermione is interested in Harry or in Ron. Yeah. Cause there are a lot of moments that she has one-on-one with Harry too. Yeah, there definitely are. Playing the numbers. She she's playing the numbers. <laughs> Can that be the parentheses? Playing her numbers. Hermione's playing the numbers. We most certainly couldn't do that. Um, for me, my biggest low is that like it does feel just like a touch too long. Like it it could have been shortened up. We had to run through the whole climax again, Danielle. Oh my god, we did. That we did. Uh. I feel like Professor Lupin and Harry just went on like one too many like solo walks together. I know (laughs) that all of that information is necessary to the plot of the film, but also like it's just it's a little too long in my opinion. Well, I appreciate the one when he didn't go into the city because he didn't have his permission slip signed. Yeah. That one I can appreciate. That one makes total sense because... Lupin knows him and that's a perfect chance for him to kind of be like, hey, here's the thing. Yeah. But if Lupin was always a werewolf, how did he survive at Hogwarts? Where do they put him? Um, not too sure. They really don't explain that. They don't explain like what he did. Oh, didn't he say something like. What he was changing into being a werewolf that night during the climax, didn't Sirius say, did you take your... Potion. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, like, there is some kind of potion that he can take to, like, minimize the effects of being a werewolf. So he just, like, lays low during mm. that that time. Okay. But Makes sense. it was kind of like a throwaway line, and they really don't explain it further. But I'm sure in the book they go into detail about it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, any more highs or lows before we move into snack break? I think those are my my biggest highs and lows. What'd you um, What'd you eat while watching this? Well, I just had I had like a, a salad with balsamic. I had chicken and whole wheat spaghetti. Mm. But for some reason, I really wish I was eating Airheads while I was watching this. They're out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably because this movie is from 2005, and that's what yeah. we were eating in 2005. Yeah, I think so. What was your favorite flavor of Airhead? The blue one. Mm. Did you like the mystery Airheads? I did. Were you one of those kids that would, like, shake your Airhead so that became... Do you ever do that? No. So what is that? if you take the Airhead and you, like, hold it and push it down a little bit, and then you shake it all the way so that it becomes just like one big blob and then you open it up and then you just like eat the blob as opposed to being like the long stringy thing. Oh no, I liked it as a long stringy thing. Okay. Are you a blob gal? I feel like I probably did it once or twice because everyone else was doing it, but I feel like they're just fine the way that they are. Same. Um. So I had just gotten back from... Um, Montauk for the weekend so I had my leftovers from dinner from the night before so I ate those while I was watching this and I had some really delicious spaghetti in like a tomato sauce really big chunks of garlic and shrimp and it was and a lot of parmesan cheese and it was delicious okay both channeling spaghetti. (laughs) both eating spaghetti. 
That's the first time we've both had, I think, maybe in over in 200 episodes. The first we, time we've we had, were eating the same thing? Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. I didn't have an airhead. I, I didn't have an airhead. I wanted an airhead. Oh, you wanted an airhead. Sorry. Yeah. I was just having dinner. But in the back of my head, I was like, I could picture myself watching this in a movie theater with, like, airheads. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's where I was at. Mm-hmm. But my favorite movie theater candy... Cookie dough bites? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Snow caps are are a close second. After cookie dough bites for me, it's Bunch of Crunch. Mm, I will take snow caps because I do love me some dark chocolate. Yeah. But I can respect that. I have respect for that. Thank you. Um, As far as my expectation versus reality, I did go over one of them. I will say my other one was I'm just – I forgot that the the hippogriff actually dies. For some reason, I forgot that that was, like, part of the original. Where does the hippogriff die? In the book? No, in the movie. They kill him, and then they have to go back in time and save him. Okay, so... I don't think the hippogriff actually died in the first climax. But they watched it. They No, they did not. They did not show the hippogriff getting beheaded we didn't see it we saw them seeing it yeah but i think what they're watching what they're like sort of watching which they can't see him is the guy cutting the pumpkin because you know what's really interesting about the climax of this movie when you watch it the second time you clearly see albus dumbledore directing everyone's attention away from the hippogriff yeah to so that makes you think that from the very beginning, Albus probably knew that he was going, they were going to go through this whole thing, and then they were going to have the second Harry and Hermione come back and save the situation. So I, I got that, but I thought that he actually did die. I don't think he did. Okay. No, because... If the hippogriff actually died, Harry and Harry and uh, no, Harry wouldn't have gotten the stone in the back of the head. Because the fact that Hermione and uh, Harry were there and Hermione was throwing stones in the back of. Right. Like it all had to happen at the same time. Even though we're seeing it in two separate points of view, it all had to happen at the same time. So Buckbeak did not die in the beginning. But then why did Dumbledore say, if you go back, you maybe you can save two lives, more, more than one life? Because I think D- Dumbledore is like three steps ahead of them all. And he knew that he needed to get them back in time or none of those events would have happened the way that they did. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Kind of. Time travel is tough. Dumbledore had to get them back in time or none of that would have happened. So that's why when he walked up initially, I think he knew, A, that Harry, Ron, and Hermione were in Hagrid's cabin, but also B, a second Harry and Hermione were um, hiding in the pumpkins. Okay. I, I think he knew that two, they were in two places at the same time, and he knew that all of these actors had to play their part in a role to save both lives. So they were always meant to save both lives. But okay. the only way that that could really be put into action is if Dumbledore, after he left the infirmary, told them, you need to save the lives so that all of his actions beforehand could work out. And then if they didn't go back in time, what would have happened? Nothing. Then, then they would have been killed. The hippogriff. The hippogriff and who's the other life? Uh, Sirius. But, but so that's what I'm saying. If that was the original plan, how did that not happen? Like I thought it happened and then they went back in time with all of the proper spacing to change what happened. And then nobody knows the wiser because they are just going through it like it's the first time all over again. No, because the fir- the they had to 
this is very confusing. I know. <laughs> no, it needed to be both of these things happening at the same time. And Dumbledore had to have known what was going to happen and why he had to set both both players into action to happen at the same time. I don't think the Hippogriff died in the first round of the climax. Okay. Are you Googling now? I see yeah. you Googling. <laughs> you ne we need to come back to this. All right. Do your do your research. We're we're on almost an hour now. We'll All do, right. do All our right. research right. on our own time. But right. I stand by that it's all happening at once. And, okay. and Dumbledore knew and both needed to happen at the same time. And even the first time we see, we as the viewer see the climax, the hippogriff lives. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, fine. Um, my expectation is that, well, this is the only Harry Potter movie I ever had on DVD. This one. Oh, number three. okay. It is crazy how dark it is. It's such a departure from the first two, but it gets you so excited for Goblet of Fire and the rest of the series. Um, that's, that's it. That's all. My expectation for first reality. Did you have an IRL moment? I actually did. Because when Nick and I were driving out to Long Island this week, um, the highway was really bumpy. And out of nowhere, I don't. we didn't even watch the movie yet. I just said, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> then I hit him with a name the movie. And I'm like, you and know, he did it, I'm sure, in seconds. Yeah. I'm like, you know what movie this is from. And I was like, wow, I literally never quote that, but I wonder if in my head I quote it all the time. Hey, I when that scene came on, I think Dave forgot about it. And I just see like the sides of the mustache like curling up. Because that's what happens before he actually smiles or laughs. I'll just see like the mustache start to make like a happy face. <laughs> And then I was like, did you forget about this part? He's like, yeah, this is good. This is funny. The, the take it away, Ern. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my IRL moment was, what are they called again? The things uh, that, that Lupin... What? Show them the... They the turn into your greatest fear. Boggart. A boggart. Boggart. When Neville's uh, when Neville's approached and he's like, "Who's what do you fear the most in this world?" and he says, "Professor Snape." I can relate to having a teacher or two that they definitely <laughs> get you. It'd be a boggart for me. Yeah, I wonder what mine would be. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to to think back on that. Well, it's so. Then the other thing was to, to bounce off of that was when Lupin and Harry had that conversation and he said, I thought you were going to summon Voldemort. Mm. And Harry said, well, I did think of Voldemort, but then I also remember the encounter with the... Um, the Dementor? He almost said the Demogorgon. Oh, God. You know, I had a thought, like Lupin as a werewolf kind of gave me Demogorgon vibes. Yeah. They have like the that. same like tall, crunched over bodies. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's why it popped in my head. But so then Harry says that um, he thought of the Dementor and then that's what showed. And he said, well, then that's a good thing. It's not that you're anything you're afraid of. You're just afraid of fear itself. And I turned over to Dave and I was like, that's me. I'm scared of everything. <laughs> oh, man. And that was that. Um, I don't like horror. You don't like horror. You don't. But you like to get out. I did. Well, yeah. that's more of a psychological thriller. Well, it's more of a psychological thriller. All right. I think that's everything. It is. All right. So next week, we're doing a birthday episode. We're going to watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, you should join us. And if you want to write in a review, 
you can DM us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey, it's two girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at class 16. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. You can also send us an email at two girls, watch TV at gmail.com to a spell dot TWO. And the YouTube channel is two girls drink beer. All right, everyone enjoy the rest of your weekends. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and we will catch you next week. Bye. It's the holiday season. The holiday season. Oh, do. <laughs> I can sing it. I can't sing it right now because it's before Thanksgiving, but when this airs, it will be appropriate. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. What about pass the cranberry stuff? We have mashed oh. potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great, Linda. Thank I... you for loving me. <laughs> <laughs> I love Linda. All right, everyone. We'll we'll talk to you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>